Well, good morning, LifePoint. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I'm excited. We get to come together, get to gather together, get to worship the Lord. And let me tell you, friends, that is something to be excited about. Uh, But if you're new here today, you're joining us, I highly encourage you to text WELCOME to the number on the screen. It's 406-219-0314. And follow the prompts. I promise you are not going to get bombarded with text messages or emails. Uh, This is just a way for us to reach out to you, get to say hi, get to welcome you to LifePoint, let you know that we are glad that you are joining us. Um, And also, uh, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out every week. Uh, on Friday. So you can go to lifepointmt.org and sign up for that newsletter to stay in the loop with what happens here. And my last thing is there are many opportunities to serve here at LifePoint, many opportunities to volunteer. We need volunteers in really every area of ministry, in the welcome team, in children's, in youth, on tech. Uh, and we want you to serve where you're gifted. So if you, if you feel like you want to serve on a, on a team, uh, you can go to lifepointmt.org serve or you can go fill out one of these serve applications right here by the door, and we would love to get you plugged into one of those teams. Uh, but today, we get to finish Jonah chapter 4. Uh, and let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever been into an argument? You know, maybe a disagreement. You get a little heated. You get flustered. You get a little upset. And you say something that you really wish you didn't. You know, like as soon as you say something, you wish you could just take it back. You know, this has happened to me once or twice. Um, Growing up, uh, my brother, he was my best friend growing up. And even today, he's still my best friend. Uh, But as brothers do, we get into it. We yell, we argue, we fight. And I remember there was one time, one morning, we were fighting. And we were yelling at each other. And we were trying to use our words as weapons. We were trying to cause as much damage to the other person in as little amount of words possible. And I remember I get caught up in the moment. I'm angry. And I say something that I really wish I didn't. I looked at my brother and I told him, Brandon, you're so ugly, you'll never get a girlfriend. And I knew it as soon as I said it, that I should not have said that. Because the real problem with that is, here's a picture of my brother. Uh, (laughs) We're identical twins. Uh, And I I knew it as soon as I said it. The the second those words left my mouth, I just wish I could have grabbed them midair and brought them back because I knew what I did as soon as I said it. Uh, it It was a steep learning curve with my brother and I. Uh, the, the same thing happened with Yo Mama jokes. Just <laughs> did not work out. <laughs> but today, we are going to be finishing up Jonah chapter 4, and I bet Jonah wished we would have finished last week in chapter 3. Because in chapter 4, Jonah says some things that I, I bet he wished he really didn't. By the end of Jap- J- Jonah chapter 4, I bet he realized what he said. You know, and this morning, the bottom line, the one thing I want us walking away with today, and the one thing I hope Jonah realized by the end of Jonah chapter 4, is be merciful. Not because others deserve it, but because you've received it. So if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be opening up to Jonah chapter 4. And we're going to be starting in verse 1. This is what it says. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. 
He prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed through the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Will you join me as we open up in prayer this morning? Father, we are so grateful that we get to gather like this, that we get to worship you, that we get to sing your praises. We get to talk about your word. And Lord, I pray today as we take a look at Jonah chapter 4, I pray you give us the realization. Let us better understand your mercy, your grace. And Lord, let us recognize the mercy and the grace that we have been shown. And Lord, I pray today as we open up your word and you allow me to speak, as you give me the breath to speak, I pray you give me the words to speak. And Lord, I, say, I pray I say nothing that you do not want me to say. And Lord, we pray that your presence continues to work on our hearts and continues to change our lives. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I bet Jonah wishes his little book would have ended at chapter 3. I mean, if it would have ended last week, that would been, this would have been great. I mean, Jonah would have gone down as one of the greatest evangelists in the Bible. Uh, people would study him with evangelism. I mean, he was able to turn a ruthless pagan city to the Lord. That, that this, this city basically repented, turned from their wickedness. It would have been great if it ended at chapter 3. But we still have chapter 4. But I believe Jonah chapter 4 is probably one of the most critical chapters in this book. Because God asked Jonah three important questions, and these questions that God asked Jonah are not just for Jonah to answer. I mean, we ourselves have to answer these questions too. God asked Jonah three questions aimed at his perspective, his priorities, and his passions. Now, I don't know if you're, you might be new here this morning joining us, coming into this series. Uh, so I'm going to give you guys a little bit of Cliff Notes version of what is actually happening right now in the life of Jonah. Uh, so Jonah was a prophet of Israel. God came to him, told him to go to a place called Nineveh, preach against it. Uh, God said, go. Jonah said, no. Jonah went on the run, boarded a ship, headed to a place called Tarshish. But the Lord was waiting for him on the sea. The Lord appeared to him in a violent storm, and the sailors picked up Jonah, threw him overboard, and Jonah was swallowed by a huge fish. And in this fish, Jonah has a come-to-God moment, and he prays, and he repents, and he says that, I'm going to go and proclaim that salvation comes from the Lord. 
So the fish spat Jonah out. He made his way to Nineveh. Uh, he preached to this city, and, and the city believed him. I mean, the whole city was turned upside down. The, the whole city was repenting in sackcloth and ashes. It, even the king issues this order that, that they are going to fast. Like, hallelujah, praise God. Jonah did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> Uh, Jonah did what he was supposed to do in the first place. Uh, and this is what it says in, in, in the last verse of Jonah chapter 3 before we're coming into verse 1 of chapter 4. This is what it says in verse 10. It says, When God saw what they did, Nineveh, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So this is a really good thing. Like Jonah did what he was supposed to do. He finally went to Nineveh. He preached to it, had a massive impact. This is the great, great thing that is happening in Nineveh. But let's check in with Jonah to see how he feels about it. And this is where we're picking it up today, in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Can you imagine this scene? Like, imagine a, a preacher walking through a city on an evangelistic campaign preaching to the city, and everyone in the city believes him. And that preacher goes home that night angry at the results. Like, like laying in his bed that night, just thinking, man, I wish they all would have died in their sin. I mean, it just, that, that, you would expect him to be praising God, saying, yes, God, thank you for the impact. Thank you for these people responding to your word. But not Jonah. And even in the Old Testament, it is, it is rather odd to see a prophet upset at people responding to God's word. But to Jonah, this seemed wrong. But Jonah actually explains himself in, in, in the second verse. This is what it says. It says, he prayed to the Lord. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is, what I want, or that, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You know, remember, Jonah ran away from Nineveh not because he was afraid no one would listen. He was afraid that everyone would listen. I mean, I mean Jonah had a hatred for Nineveh. This is something we've been talking about the last few weeks. Jonah hated Nineveh just as much as the Ninevites hated him, just as much as the Ninevites hated the Israelites. I mean, they didn't have the greatest of relationships. And the results of Jonah's preaching was the thing that he feared. Like, Jonah wanted them to be judged. He didn't want them to turn away from their wickedness. He wanted them to be judged. So, so he prays. He prays in this moment out of anger and frustration. And something that I find incredible is throughout the book of Jonah, there are many events, many opportunities for Jonah to pray. And he prays twice. He prays the first prayer in, 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 out of desperation, in the belly of a fish. That's Jonah chapter 2. And here in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah prays once again, but he prays out of frustration and anger because of God's mercy. And something that Pastor John pointed out a couple weeks ago when we were looking at Jonah chapter 2, 
which is Jonah's prayer when he's in the fish, is that Jonah did not have a good prayer life. I mean, Jonah's prayer life was lacking. So, so I want to I take this moment and ask you the question, how's your prayer life? Like, are we relating to Jonah? Like, do we pray out of frustration? Do we pray out of anger? Like, do we pray when, only when there's a meal in front of us? Do we pray only when we go to sleep? You know, how's your prayer life? Like, take a moment and, and examine it. How is your prayer life with God? Because I know prayer can be hard for a lot of people. I mean, a little prayer is, it can be hard because sometimes, you know, it feels like, yes, I'm coming to God, I'm praying, I'm talking with God, but it really feels like it's just a one-way conversation. You know, like, I, like I'm talking to God, but I really feel like he doesn't have anything to say to me. And f- friend, I would disagree. I think God has a whole lot to say to you. I mean, a whole book worth. Like God wants to say something to you if you'll listen. You see, here's the thing. God wants us to come to him in prayer, and he wants to speak to us through his word. Like prayer and time in God's word, they, they, they work together. Ch- Charles Spurgeon, who, who was a great preacher in the 1800s, he was asked this question. Someone came to him and, and said, which is more important, reading your Bible or praying? And, and Charles Spurgeon replied with, what's more important, breathing in or breathing out? doesn't matter if you can do one or the other. If you don't have both, you're not breathing. It's the same thing. You see, and when we start neglecting one of these, man, it can start feeling like it's a one-way conversation with God. And this is something that we see in Jonah's prayer life. That his, his prayer life was lacking, but here's the thing. He knew scripture. I mean, if we look at the two events in which Jonah prayed, in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah is basically just quoting back the Psalms to God. If you have a reference Bible, look, look at Jonah chapter 2. You'll just see Psalm, 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 Psalm. And here in Jonah chapter 4, Jonah quotes another verse back to God. And he actually quotes the most quoted verse in the Bible. I know some of us might be thinking, well, that's John 3.16. But that might be the most quoted verse outside of the Bible. But the most repeated verse in the Bible, Jonah just repeated. And it's actually found in Exodus chapter 34. Verse 6, this is what it says. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Like Jonah knew scripture. I find it interesting that Jonah quotes a verse that, it, that, that points to God's grace and his mercy and his compassion. And that's the source of Jonah's anger. Like, Jonah, why are you angry? Because God's merciful. Yeah, Jonah. He is, isn't he? Like, you of all people should know that. Like, I don't know, Jonah, if you're suffering from a memory problem here. But let's just do a little recap of the times you've encountered God's mercy. Just in this two-page book. Okay, so you went on the run from God, and instead of killing you, he sent a storm to stop you. That was an act of God's mercy. And then the sailors threw you overboard, and instead of drowning in the sea, God provided a fish to save you. And instead of you just dying in that fish, being digested, it spat you back out. 
You made your way to Nineveh instead of, instead of killing you on the spot, which is probably what they should have done. They believed you. Like they didn't kill you, but they listened to you. That they repented from their sin and, and they turned from their wickedness. Like Jonah, you've received mercy from God throughout this book and now you're mad at that same mercy. Like did you forget the reality of it when you were in the fish? And you were in need of that same mercy. Because if God were fair with you then, then there would be no hope for you. Like, you're in need of that same mercy. And, and, and I don't know if Jonah was suffering from a memory problem, but a lot of people today are. I mean, it's easy as churchgoers to see other people and think, oh, like they're in need of God's mercy. But miss the reality of we're in need of that same mercy. Like, Jonah's missing it. And I find it interesting that Jonah prayed his best prayer in the worst place, and his worst prayer in the best place. Like Jonah prayed his best prayer in the belly of a fish, not too sure if he's going to see the light of day again. Smelly, stinky, and wet. And he prays his worst prayer in the best place, a, a city in which God is moving, a city in which God is, is doing something incredible. And Jonah's anger towards the Lord's grace and his mercy leads him to the point where even he wants to die. I mean, look at what it says in verse 3. It says, Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. You know, Jonah's at the point where he wants to die because of God's grace and his mercy. And, you know, I always wondered why Jesus pointed to Jonah as his sign. Like, yes, I understand that Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, and Jesus was in a tomb for three days. But Jonah. You see, Jonah is at the point where he is willing to die because of God's grace and his mercy, and Jesus did. Jesus died because of God's grace and his mercy. Jesus took a cross, and he carried it on his back to a mountain, and he was nailed to that cross and died because of God's immense, great mercy and his grace towards people like us. I mean, look, look what it says in Matthew chapter 12. Verse, sorry, verse 38. This is what it says. It says, some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, Jesus, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is the greater Jonah. Jesus is the greater Solomon. Jesus is the greater than fill in the blank. Jesus is the greater than. This little book of Jonah might have a boat, a fish, a great city, an angry, stubborn prophet, but it all points forward to a man named Jesus. The entirety of scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 points to one person. It's a man named Jesus. You know, it's something I love about Jonah chapter 4 
is it points out something big with God's character. Because notice here, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach to it. That box has already been checked. Like God could have just left Jonah pouting on the side of a mountain. Like you did what you were supposed to do. But we still have Jonah chapter four. Why? Because God is more concerned about Jonah's heart than what he actually did. Like God's not done with Jonah yet. And this is, this is what it says in Jonah chapter four, verse four. It says, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? God could have left him, but he didn't. You know, this question was aimed at, at Jonah's perspective. Like, in other words, God's saying, like, you know, Jonah, like, we're seeing the same thing here. Like, Nineveh's repenting. Like, right now, heaven's rejoicing, and my prophet is pouting. Like, we're, we're seeing the same thing. Is it right for you to be angry? You know, Jesus saw Jerusalem and wept at their unbelief. The Apostle Paul, when he was walking through Athens, saw all of these statues of, of their foreign gods, and, and he had great concern for them, that he couldn't help himself but to preach. You know, he, he had great alarm because they were so lost. Jonah sees the city and was angry that God showed them mercy. You know, and, and something that's interesting is in verse 2, Jonah acknowledged that the Lord is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. It's interesting. Jonah can quote the truth, but he just doesn't want to live the truth. And even Jonah didn't want to believe that Nineveh repented. Like Jonah was hoping that Nineveh did not repent, that it was a fake repentance. And his own actions show it, because look what happens in verse 5. It said, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. And there he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. <laughs> like Jonah didn't want to believe it. Like Jonah leaves the city, not because there was no room for him in Nineveh. Like everyone just listened to Jonah's message. Uh, probably he could stay at anyone's house. But he left the city because he wanted to see clear of the fire. You know, the message that Jonah went to Nineveh and, and preached was, in 40 days, the city's going to be overthrown. And Pastor John talked about it last week, but that word for overthrown is the same word that was used with Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities which God destroyed. So Jonah knew what that word meant, and he, and he hightailed it out of there, waiting to see what would happen. And, and I think Jonah was hoping that that sky would light up with God's judgment. The same judgment he has escaped so many times. And look at how it continues. God, even though Jonah is hoping for, for God to destroy this city, God's still not done with him yet. Look, look what happens in, in verse 6. It says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. And Jonah is on a roller coaster of emotions, isn't he? I mean, I find it funny. In verse 1, 
he was angry. In verse 6, he was happy. Uh, and, and, and notice here how God provided yet another thing, a plant. He provided a worm. You know, God provided a fish, a plant, a worm, and they all obeyed his command. And, and everything in the book of Jonah, from, from cover to cover, obeys God except for his prophet. I mean, everything in this book responded to the Lord's command. The wind, the waves, the, the, the great fish, the plant, the worm. Let's not forget about the Ninevites. Except Jonah. And, and God is, is, is about to ask Jonah another question. Look what it says in verse 9. It says, but God said, is it right for you? to be angry about the plant. It is, he said. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. How old are we, Jonah? <laughs> I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. You know, this question's pointed at Jonah's wrong priorities. Like Jonah is wanting to die because there's no longer a plant next to him. Like it shows his priorities are in the wrong place. And this is a great opportunity for us to examine ourselves. Like, where are our priorities? You know, ask yourself the question, what gets me up in the morning? What angers me? What, what, what excites me? What motivates me? You know, asking these questions to ourselves can get us a better, get better idea of where our priorities are. And like, don't be, don't be surprised if we need an awakening in this area. Like, when we examine our life and we're like, wow, my priorities are in the wrong place. Because Jonah went to preach a God-given message to Nineveh, and they had an awakening, and Jonah was in, the need of, in, need, in need of one too. Like Jonah was upset about sinners repenting and then was happy about a plant and then upset when it died. I mean, his priorities are all over the place. So what makes you happy? What makes you angry? I mean, that will reveal a lot about where our priorities are. And I know because it's easy to think, like, you know, like, yeah, my priorities might be messed up, but they're not as bad as Jonah's. Like, Jonah cared more about plants than people. Like, like, I can't believe Jonah would be more upset about the condition of a plant than the condition of people. And is it really that hard to believe, though? Because I, I would say a lot of people care more about their lawns than their lost neighbors. I mean, just based on the time that they spend gardening versus evangelizing. I mean, just based on the time that they spend mowing their lawn versus inviting their unsaved neighbors over. You know, so I ask you the question again. What do you really care about? Like, what motivates you? What are your real priorities? Because Jonah's are all over the place. And look what it says in verse 10. It says, but the Lord said... You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and so many animals? So Jonah is more concerned about, about plants than, than people. But God's not done with him yet. God's going to teach him something here. He asked him the question, in essence, Jonah, how did this plant get here? Like, did you work for it or was it a gift? I mean, like, of course it was a gift. You did not tend it. You did not make it grow, yet you're upset about losing it. This plant came in one day. Jonah did not create it. He did not take care of it. He did not nurture it. However, God did all this stuff for Nineveh. That plant appeared overnight. 
Nineveh over many, many nights. And like, you know, seriously, like this plant appeared in one day, but at this point in the story, the Assyrian nation is over a thousand years old. And I know it's like really hard for like us to grasp as Americans. Like our country is not even 250 years old. Like, you know, some of these countries that they're talking about, these nations that they're talking about are thousands of years old. Yet how much did God care about those people in Nineveh? How much did God care about those people who were trapped in their sinful lifestyles? I mean, enough to send them a prophet to warn them, to preach to them. You know, Jonah cared about a plant. Shouldn't God care about Nineveh? And because Jonah's sitting there right now thinking the Ninevites should receive judgment. I mean, this has been his whole mindset, that the Ninevites should receive judgment. They're a wicked people. Like, God, this is not fair. Like, how could God show love to people like them? And you know, Jonah having this mindset shows that he has a warped view of what sin is. And a lot of people today have a warped view of what sin is. Like if you are reading your Bible and as you're reading it, you're feeling more and more righteous, you're reading it wrong. That's not the intent. Like, as we read the Bible, man, it shows us how desperate we are. How in need of grace we are. Like, so Jonah's sitting there thinking, like, God, this is not fair. And you're right, Jonah. Like, it is not fair. It is tremendously not fair that God saves anyone. It's grace. Like, because the last thing that we want from God in this situation is fairness. Like, we don't want to stand before a holy and a righteous God whom we've sinned against and say, be fair with me. Like, be just with me. Give me what I deserve. No, we're going to be saying, like, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need Jesus. I need a cross. Because without it, I'm hopeless. Without it, I have nothing else. Like, I need Jesus. So God asked this question, should, 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 I, should I have compassion on them? And the book of Jonah ends there. It ends with a cliffhanger. It ends with a question. And we don't even get Jonah's response. I mean, I like to think he gave the right one by the end of chapter four. You know, should God have compassion on them? No. Should God have compassion on Jonah? Like, no. Should God have compassion on us? No. But did he? Yes. You see, the wages of sin is death, and all of us are sinners. Every person in this room, every person watching online, we have sinned against God. But God, being so rich in his mercy, so great with his grace, placed our sin onto Jesus. Do we deserve it? No. It's grace. And I am so grateful that Jesus took the penalty of my sin upon himself so that I could know life. You know, as we're closing, I want to invite the worship team up here. And I want us to take, take a moment and reflect about this. 
Because we have been forgiven so tremendously, so great, so vastly. Like we, we, we can never right our wrongs. We, we can never pay back God. We can't work towards salvation. We can't even work, we, we can't even work for it. Like no good deed that we ever do will ever amount to salvation. It is a free gift from God. It's grace. And God will show mercy to who he wants to, even me, even you, even Jonah. Like, is it fair? No. It's grace. So I want to ask you the question, in light of this, in light of this reflecting on the grace that we ourselves have received, the mercy that we have received from God, who is that person in your life who you're just unwilling to forgive? You know, who's that person in, that comes to your head right now? Maybe you think they don't deserve my forgiveness. We, we don't deserve God's. But he gave it. You know, who is that person in your life? Who's that person that lives rent-free there in your mind? Because the book of Jonah ends with a question, and like we can't answer it for Jonah. But we can't answer it for ourselves. So as Christ followers, like, we be merciful. Not because others deserve it, but because we've received it. We've received it so tremendously. And, and throughout the entire book of Jonah, it, it's been looking like those in need of mercy was Nineveh. But all along, it was Jonah, just as much as Nineveh. <laughs> so something we can't forget is we are in need of mercy just as much as anyone else. So let's extend it. Will you join me as we close in prayer? Father, we are so grateful for the mercy that you have shown us. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't work for it. We couldn't work towards it. Lord, but you gave it. It was paid in blood in full. Lord, I am so grateful for that. And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength the courage to extend mercy and forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Not because they deserve it, but because you've shown it to us. Lord, let us live this out. Lord, I am so grateful for what you've done and what you continue to do. And in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.